0: Uh, hey, just question, any runners out there? Uh, I'm not a runner. Uh, I might say that I'm a jogger, but uh, I feel like that's probably still being pretty generous. Uh, a couple years ago, I was on a jog down on a uh, trail and uh, this was a late summer, kind of early fall, right about the time when all of the walnut trees uh, take these tennis ball sized walnuts and just drop them on the ground. And I'm running along this path, and uh, I, I didn't even realize it, but apparently there's a walnut tree over the path, and all of these walnuts are right in, in, on my trail. And as I, I'm running along, all of a sudden, I just hear a snap, and I am on the ground, and I am looking up at the sky, and I have no idea what just happened. I sit up, and I look down, and I, I realize I have just tripped on a walnut and now my ankle is the size of a grapefruit. In that short amount of time, it was already that big. And so I stand up, I'm a couple miles from my car. So trying to figure out, can I put any pressure on this leg? Am I gonna be able to walk out of here? Not a chance. And so I do the only thing that I can think of and I call my wife. She's a teacher, and she was at an assembly that day. And so uh, she excuses herself from the assembly. She makes her way to the door. And uh, as she's leaving, she passes a security guard. And uh, just in passing, she says to the security guard, Yeah, my husband, he fell on the trail, and actually, uh, I, I just need to go rescue him. And she walks out the building. But he heard... There is an emergency, and we need to call 911 right now. <laughs> and so I'm on the trail, and uh, there's a crossroads, I don't know, maybe uh, about 100 yards uh, away from me where a major road crosses. And I'm just waiting to see uh, my wife's minivan pull across this road and so she can help me hobble back to the car. But what I see is a red fire truck. And the fire truck turns onto the trail and starts driving towards me. And an ambulance turns onto the trail and starts driving towards me. Now this is a a running trail, a jogging trail, maybe a biking trail. This is not a fire truck trail. A fire truck comes right up to me. All the guys hop off the truck. One guy's got the paddles with the defibrillator. like, are you okay? Are you okay? I'm like, well, I kind of hurt my ankle. I think I'm going to be all right. About that time, my wife weaves her way through the firemen. She's like, what are, what are these guys all doing here? I actually had to sign a paper that said, I don't want you to take me to the hospital. And then my wife, uh, she helps me hobble to the car, go get uh, x-rays to urgent care. Find out. It's not broken. It's just really, really badly sprained. But as we uh, move into our material for today, just a question for you you ever broken something? Uh, Maybe not broken a bone, but you're just jogging through life. And then out of nowhere, something snaps and something breaks. It's unexpected, it's uninvited, it's unwanted. uh, Having coffee with a young adult. And they're uh, just sharing their story with me as they make this transition from being engaged to being single. And uh, they're just telling the story. And somewhere along that journey, it was like something snapped and something broke. Uh, You go in for just a routine, physical, and it turns into a series of tests which turn into a series of procedures. And you just don't know where this is gonna end. And it, it just seems like somewhere along that journey, something snapped and something broke. I've had the privilege to just Walk alongside, many of you, as you've had these dreams for your future, and you get five steps towards that dream, and then all of a sudden, something comes crashing down, and it's like something snaps, and something breaks. Some of you, you have made tiny compromises, and those tiny compromises have led to big compromises, and now you're here with a broken family, broken marriage, broken finances, broken health. Brokenness, I think, is something that we all understand. It's something we all get. sometimes, brokenness is out of the blue and we just don't expect it. And sometimes we're the ones doing the breaking, but brokenness, brokenness is something we understand with every fiber of our being. And brokenness, brokenness is where our story begins today. Uh, We're in a series, it's called Encounters with Jesus, where we're just looking at these exchanges that Jesus has with different people. And if you're interested, you can find the biographies of Jesus, the the stories of Jesus here in the Gospels, uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And uh, we're going to be in the book of John today. In fact, John chapter 8. If you have a Bible and you open it up to John chapter 8, uh, your Bible might have this little uh, note, this little kind of disclaimer right at the beginning. Uh, here's what mine says: It says the earliest manuscripts and many other ancient witnesses do not have John 7:53 through 8:11. A few manuscripts include these verses wholly or in part. After John, uh, later in John chapter 21, or, or these two different passages in Luke. And so you might read that, and you're like, "What? Well, uh, what is that about? Uh, what does that mean?" Well, uh, scholars debate, and they kind of argue about the placement of this story. No one is really arguing or wondering about whether this story should be in our Bibles. What they're wondering about is, where does this go? Where does this fit? Is it it fit right here? Is it fit later in John? What about these different passages in the book of Luke? Maybe it goes there. You find it here in John chapter 8, because most of the manuscripts that we read, they have it placed here. Here's how the story begins. It says this, At dawn, he appeared again in the temple courts, where all the people gathered around him, and he sat down to teach them. This is Jesus. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery, and they made her stand before the group. So Jesus is teaching in the temple courts, and mid-sentence, uh, Pharisees, the teachers of the law, they bring in a woman, and she's been caught in adultery and they make her stand before the whole group. And she is weeping, she is humiliated, she is terrified, she is embarrassed, and she doesn't know what's gonna happen next. And she stands before everyone in all of her brokenness. And this is a moment, this is a moment where brokenness encounters the very heart of God encounters a Jesus who never bends, a Jesus who never breaks. Today, as we walk through this story, my hope for you is that you just see and hear and begin to understand a God who is willing to step into the midst of your brokenness. No matter how broken you feel like your life is, God is willing to step into that, and lead you towards his mercy and point you towards his grace. Always willing to walk along with you in your brokenness. The story takes uh, place in three different parts. And part number one, uh, we're just calling, part number one, we're calling the trap. And here's what it says. And uh, the Pharisees, they said to Jesus, teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. Now, what do you say? They were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. So Pharisees, they bring this woman before Jesus, and they say, in the law, we have this uh, rule that says that uh, we should stone women who are caught in adultery. What is the the law of Moses? This was the first five books of your Bible. It was a spiritual and moral anchor for the Jews. And what they're asking Jesus, they're saying, "Hey, um, hey, Jesus, do you really believe this thing? Do you really believe the scriptures? Because if you do, here is a woman caught in adultery, and uh, the scriptures scriptures say we should stone this woman. Uh, what are they talking about? Uh, there are two passages in the Law of Moses, first five books of your Bible, that talk about this. Uh, here's the first one. It comes from the book of Leviticus. It says, if a man commits adultery with another man's wife, with the wife of his neighbor, both the adulterer and the adulteress are to be put to death. Uh, The other passage they're referencing comes from Deuteronomy. It says, If a man is found sleeping with another man's wife, both the man who slept with her and the woman must die. Is there anything that, I don't know, sticks out in these passages as you read through them? It seems to me like there's both, there's consequences for both the man and the woman, right? Not just the woman, I think when we read this passage and the Pharisees just bring in the woman, I think we should ask the question, well, hold on, uh, where's the guy? Where, where's the guy in this moment? But here's the real dilemma. Here's the real trap. Uh, there are two groups of people listening in to this conversation. Uh, one group of people is the Jews right in front of Jesus, and they're, they're leaning in and they're wondering, okay, how, well, yeah, Jesus, how are you going to answer this question, teacher, what will you say here? And then there are the Roman soldiers. Uh, Jesus is teaching right here in the temple courts And uh, this is the temple courts area. And right up here is a place called the Antonia Fortress. This was a Roman garrison where uh, Roman soldiers would man this area just in case there was an uprising of the Jews. If ever the Jews were going to revolt against Rome, it was probably going to take place somewhere here on the Temple Mount. And they wanted to be right there, ready, just in case a revolt were to happen. And so they're leaning in and they're listening. All right, what about this uh, rabbi guy? Uh, what, how is he gonna answer this question? How is he gonna move forward? as a, a lose-lose situation for Jesus. There's no clear path forward. There is no easy outcome in this moment. Either Jesus will discredit his entire ministry or he's gonna go to jail. Uh, Anybody uh, remember these choose-your-own-adventure books? You remember uh, reading through these as a kid? If you missed out, uh, these were my favorite. Uh, Here's how it worked. You would start out in chapter one, and you would read, and uh, maybe it goes uh, something like this. Chapter one, the old lady who lives across the street, who is as old as the dinosaurs, She suddenly kicks over her walker, does a ninja flip across the street and bangs down your front door and tells you she needs your help to save the world. And you have some options. You get some choices. Uh, Option number one, you can choose to help the old lady, flip to page 19. Or option number two, you can choose to go back and play video games, flip to page 36. Uh, So what do you do? What choice do you make? Well, you do what every other kid who ever read these books did. You cheat, right? You hold your finger in chapter one, and then you flip forward to page 36, and you read. Uh, You failed to help the old lady across the street, and uh, your adventure has ended. This concludes the book. And you're like, well, that wasn't very fun. And so you flip back to chapter one and you make a different choice. Isn't this how we wanna live our lives? We just wanna know, God, I trust you, but, but, but as long as I know how this is gonna work out, or I, as long as I know if I make this choice or this decision, this is how this is gonna work out, God, I'm willing to trust you as long as I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that, that this is gonna work out okay. God, I want to trust you, but I I need to know that this is gonna be all right. And for Jesus in his scenario, he he has no clear options. It is a lose-lose situation for Jesus. Uh, But here's how it goes for Jesus. Uh, Chapter one, the Pharisees, the teachers of the law, they bring before him a woman caught in adultery. And they said, the law says we should stone such a woman. Jesus, what do you say? And Jesus has, uh, he's got two options. Option number one, see, Jesus could say, no, no, we're not not going to stone this woman. Flip to page 44, okay? Flip over page 44. Jesus says, "Uh, no, we're not gonna stone this woman. And the Pharisees walk away and they say, Jesus doesn't even believe in the scriptures. This thing that he's teaching you, he doesn't even believe a word of it. And everything that Jesus has ever taught and everything that Jesus ever will teach has all been discredited. Your adventure has ended. The book is concluded. Well, that that doesn't that doesn't seem like it's going to work. Let's flip back. Uh, what if Jesus? What? I mean, what if Jesus says yes? What if he says yeah? Uh, grab some stones. Let's grab some rocks, and we're going to stone this woman right now. Jesus says yes. Flip to page fifty-three. Jesus says, yes, stone this woman. Before the first rock is even picked up, the Romans swoop in from the Antonia Fortress because they had a law. They have a law that says that only the Romans are allowed to dish out capital punishment. Only the Romans can deal capital punishment. So before the first stone is even thrown, Jesus gets arrested (laughs) Jesus gets put in jail. This ends your adventure. This concludes the book. It's a lose-lose situation for Jesus. He has no clear options forward. There is no clear path for him. Before we even look at what Jesus does, the decision that he makes in this moment, I just want to encourage you. There are moments in life where we face impossible scenarios, impossible decisions, We're just put in places where it just doesn't feel like we have any clear path forward or any clear options in front of us. And it feels like we're facing a lose lose situation. I just want to encourage you Jesus knows what that feels like. Jesus has been there. He knows what it feels like to face those impossible decisions. And Jesus can be trusted. We can trust Jesus in those moments. So what does he do? Uh, What decision does Jesus make? That brings us to uh, part two of our conversation today. Part two is called The Dust. Here's what it says. But Jesus, he bent down and he started to write on the ground with his finger. And when they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and he said to them, let any one of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. And again, he uh, he stooped down and he wrote on the ground. At this, those who heard began to go away one at a time, the older ones first, until only Jesus was left with this woman standing there. So uh, Jesus, he's faced with an impossible decision, impossible scenario, and he bends down and he begins to draw in the dust, draw in the sand. I just have to say, I didn't see that coming. Well, he bends down and he just starts to draw in the dirt? What amazing, awesome thing does Jesus write or does Jesus draw in the dirt? Well, we don't know. We don't know, but we have some great guesses. In fact, uh, some scholars, a few scholars, they think that Jesus bends over and he begins to write in the dirt. Nothing. He's just drawing some pictures. He's just writing some random words. He's using this as a stall tactic to wait out the Pharisees. Maybe if he just draws for long enough, the Pharisees will get bored and they'll forget their question and they'll just walk away. I don't think so. I don't think that's the case. I mean, the Pharisees had this pretty elaborate plan. They knew they were winning, uh, they had Jesus cornered. I don't, I don't think that they were just gonna get bored and just walk away. So, so what does, what does Jesus really write in the dust, in the sand, in the dirt? Uh, most, scholars, most scholars lean towards the idea that uh, Jesus bends over and he begins to write the names of the people in the group. And not only does he write their names, but he begins to write some of their sins as well. And so he bends over And he writes, uh, hey, Pharisee Bob, you ever done this? Uh, You ever committed this sin? Uh, What about this here? And then he stands back up and he says, "Uh, hey, anybody anybody here, uh, if you've never committed a sin, um, you can grab a stone or you can can be the first one to throw it at this woman. And he bends back down and he uh, he writes in the sand again. "Hey, Hey, Pharisee Joe, have you ever done this? You ever committed this sin? And it says, everybody begins to walk away. Everyone begins to leave. And it says the oldest leave first and then the youngest. Oldest to youngest. That's an interesting detail. Uh, Why do you think John includes that detail here? I think the older that I get, I, I think the easier it is for me to see my flaws And my mistakes, my sins, the the moments in my life where I I just regret, where I know that I've dropped the ball. I mean, the older I get, I can just look back and say, man, I wish I had handled that differently. I I wish I had navigated that conflict differently. Man, I I just wish I could go back and redo that conversation. Anybody just have some, some package, some regrets, some things from your past that you just wish you could go back and change? I know I do. Uh, At my house uh, right now, it is just really, really busy. Uh, My wife and I, we we both work full-time, and my kids, all three of my boys, they're all in sports, and so we live by our calendars. Uh, We are bouncing from one place to the next, to the next, to the next, and luckily, we are really organized, Uh, And by we, I mean my wife, (laughs) because I have to have my calendar in order to see what's happening. And so it tells me where I have to be and when I have to be there and who I have to pick up to take to what practice or what event. And so a few weeks ago, um, I show up at school to pick up somebody from something and take them to the next thing. And when I get there, they're running late. I, I don't know, practice went over or something, but they're, they're not there on time. And I'm sitting in the parking lot. And I'm waiting, and I'm waiting, and I'm waiting, and I'm looking at my watch, and I'm waiting. I'm pulling up my calendar. I'm realizing that if they don't show up in just 30 seconds, we're going to be late for this and this and this that come next. And I feel myself getting frustrated. I feel myself getting angry. I'm here doing this for you so that you can get to the other thing that you're doing. And I feel myself getting more and more and more angry. And finally, they, they come out of the, the practice and they pile into the car and we speed out of the parking lot and I, I, just, I just lose it. I'm yelling at them in the backseat. And of course, they're apologizing, which is just making me more mad because I just wanna be angry. I'm yelling at them, and finally I take a breather. And uh, we get to wherever we're going, and I pull them aside, and I apologize. I apologize for losing my temper. Apologize for, for yelling. And then the following night is a Tuesday. Now, if you're new here to Ada Bible Church, every Tuesday night we have a a gathering of young adults from all over Grand Rapids. A couple hundred young adults gather at the East Paris campus at the the warehouse. And uh, we we meet together to just worship and connect with God and connect with each other. And uh, I stand up, I take the stage, I begin to speak. And as I do, my throat is like really scratchy. Uh, It's it's almost like my voice has gone hoarse. And so I'm trying to rewind the tape in my brain. I'm thinking... Man, am I I coming down with a cold? Why would I have lost my voice right now? And suddenly I have this epiphany where I realize I have lost my voice because I yelled so much at my kids the day before. And here I am, standing up on a stage and trying to talk to young adults about how to love God and love each other better. Meanwhile, I can barely even talk because I yelled so much at my kids. That sinking feeling of regret, of remorse. Just a moment where you just you know you dropped the ball, you know you failed. Yeah, you have things like that in, in your past. Moments that you just wish you could go back and redo. I wish I could change that. I wish I could change how I handled that. I wish I could go back and redo this entire season of my life because I know I could do it differently. Maybe something that was uh, six years ago or six months ago. Maybe for you, something that happened six hours ago, you just wish, could go back and redo. You could go back and change. The greatest king in Israel, a guy by the name of David. He has this season in his life where he just makes Terrible choices, terrible decisions. I mean, he sleeps with someone who's not his, li- his wife. He, he lies about it. He commits murder. And then everything just comes crashing down. As this moment where he just turns away from his sin. He turns back towards God. And he writes this prayer. He writes this prayer to God. And we read it in Psalm 51. And here's what this prayer looks like. It says, have mercy on me, O God. According to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion, blot out my transgression, erase my past, blot out my transgressions, wash away all my iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin. For I know, I know my transgressions, and my sin is always before me. It's like David is walking through life. And he's looking at everything through these lenses of his mistakes and his failures and his sins. Everywhere he go, ev- goes, everywhere he looks, everything he does, he just sees life through his failures. I just have a hunch that some of you here today are walking through life like this. Everywhere you look, everything you do, everything you see, you're, you're looking at life through your failures Through your regrets, through your baggage, through your past, through your sins, and I just love how David finishes this prayer to God. As he wraps up this prayer, we can just summarize it and say, David says, "I have a broken heart, and I have a broken spirit, but God, I know that you still love me. I know you still love me." And we see this theme throughout the entire Bible. How does God view us in our brokenness, in our mess? I think we could just say it this way. We are broken but beloved. Every single one of us. We are broken, but we are beloved. But how do we, how do we know? How do we know that for sure? How do we know that God loves us in our brokenness? That brings us to part 3 of our conversation for today. And part three is called The Invitation. Here's what it says. At this, those who heard began to go away one at a time, the older ones first, until only Jesus was left with this woman still standing there. I love this. I love this. There are moments in our brokenness where it feels like the whole world is out to get us where it feels like everyone is against us, everyone has a stone and they're about to throw it at us. And then there are moments in our brokenness where it feels like everyone is gone. We're all by ourselves, no one is there. We just need someone we can count on, someone we can lean into, someone we can trust and there's no one around. Uh, Where was Jesus when the stones were about to fly? It was right here. It was right by her side. And where is Jesus now when everyone has abandoned her, when everyone is gone? He's right here. He's right by her side. And no matter how broken your world feels, I just want you to know that Jesus will never abandon you. He will never walk away from you. He will stay right by your side and walk with you through whatever brokenness You face. The story continues. It says, uh, Jesus straightened up and he asked the woman, where are they? Uh, Has has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Go now and leave your life of sin. Uh, Jesus and this woman, they have this moment together. And Jesus looks at her and he says, where where'd everybody go? Has no one condemned you? And then she, he says, neither do I. Wow, what? Why? Why wouldn't Jesus condemn her? I mean, if we think about it, everyone else has failed. Everyone else has flaws and sins. They couldn't pick up a stone and throw it. The only one who could pick up a stone and throw it at her and judge her and condemn her is God himself. And if we believe that, that Jesus is God in the flesh, then he's the only one who had the right to pick up a stone and condemn her. Why didn't he do it? Why didn't he judge her? I think for most of us, I, I, I don't think we need anyone to remind us of our flaws. For most of us, I don't think we need anyone to remind us of our mistakes, of our sins, of our regrets, of our past. I think for many of us, we just need to know that there's still hope. I think there are some of you here who walked into this space or you joined us online or on our campuses and you, you're saying, I know. I know, I know I have made some mistakes. I know I have some failures. I know I have created this distance between me and God. And what I really need to know is that there's still hope. And if that's you, you have come to the right place because here at Ada Bible Church, we believe that the mercy of God is brand new every single morning. You cannot out sin God's grace. You cannot run far enough or fast enough that his forgiveness can't find you. And there is no amount of brokenness that wasn't paid for for you on the cross. That we see this Theme pop up over and over and over again in the Bible. But here's one from the, the book of Ephesians. But because of his great love for us, God who is rich in mercy, he made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in our transgressions, when we were broken, it is by grace that you've been saved. Here's another one from Romans chapter five. It says, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. As this theme throughout the Bible that God is extending mercy to us in our deepest, darkest moments of brokenness. God is reaching out and he's saying, I know you're broken right now, and I love you more than you could ever imagine. I love you more than you'll ever be able to comprehend. So Jesus extends this woman mercy. He extends to her his grace. And then he says, go now and leave your life of sin. Uh, what, do you, what do you think she did? We don't know, uh, but I, I just have a hunch that I don't, I don't think this woman ever went back to the guy that she was sleeping with again. I think she probably cut some ties with some of her friends that she knew would bring her down. Why? Why? because she's been restored, because she's been redeemed. She has encountered the very mercy of Jesus. She has encountered the grace of Jesus, and I don't think she ever wants to settle for a life less than that again. I think some of you here, maybe that is a, a whisper that God is speaking into your heart. And into your mind. Maybe a cycle of sin that you have found yourself in. And God is saying this. He's saying it's time to go. It's time to go. Uh, With your uh, drinking, it's time to go. Uh, With your anger, it's time to go. With your internet history, it's time to go. With your fear, it's time to go. With your sleeping around, it's time to go. With your words or your worry or your hate or the grudge that you hold, God is saying, I love you. I love you deeply. And it's time to go. It's time to go. Jesus doesn't ignore this woman's behavior. But he doesn't start there either. I believe God always starts the conversation with the reality, with the truth that you are loved and you can be forgiven. And once that conversation happens, he invites us to turn a corner. He invites us to turn away from our sin. He invites us to come back home. And that's an invitation. That's an invitation that's available to every single one of us. As long as you are still breathing, that's an invitation for you. I think there are some of us here and some of us joining us online who uh, you would say you're a follower of Jesus. You have committed your heart and your mind and your life to following Jesus. And God is speaking to you and he's saying you are beloved. I love you deeply. You are my cherished son or daughter of the king, but you are not acting like it right now. You are pushing other people away. You are pushing God away. You're compromising your integrity and God sees that and God knows that. And God is saying, it's time to turn around. It's time to turn a corner. It's time for you to come back home. And for those of you who don't yet consider yourself a follower of Jesus, I hope today as we navigate through this story, I hope you see Jesus is willing to step into your brokenness He's willing to step into the midst of your mess. No matter how broken you feel, Jesus is willing to meet you there and turn you towards his mercy, turn you towards his grace that we can find at the cross. As we navigate through this series, I I hope you're seeing that these encounters with Jesus, they're powerful. These encounters with Jesus, they matter. And these encounters change us at our core. I'm not sure why uh, God brought you here into this space today or on our campuses or why you may have joined us online today. But maybe, uh, maybe for you, uh, you, just needed to, you just needed to know that God can be trusted in the impossible situation or the impossible scenario that you face, we worship a God who knows what that's like and who can be trusted through that. And maybe you walked in here with some baggage and some hurt from your past, some regrets, and you just needed to hear the words spoken over your life that you are broken but beloved. Or maybe you just needed the nudge the nudge from God to boldly speak into your life and say, it's it's time to go. Whatever you're trying to work through, it's time for you to leave that behind and it's time to go. These encounters with Jesus, they're powerful. These encounters with Jesus matter and these encounters, they change us at our core. I'd love for you to stand here and on our campuses, and I will pray for us as we uh, finish our time together today. God, we are just so thankful for a beautiful weekend. And I know that there are some here in this space, uh, we just came here and we just have this soul deep ache. Uh, we're, We're in the midst of a mess in the midst of our brokenness. And God, I just pray that you would meet us here. You would walk alongside us in our hurt, in our heartache. You would remind us of your mercy. You would remind us of your grace. And you would point us towards the hope that we need. We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Hey, thanks so much for being here. We'll see you next week.